Hey listeners, Dennis Wisco here. Formula SAE is an international collegiate design competition that challenges student teams to design and manufacture an open-wheel race car during the academic year. There are two annual Formula SAE competitions in the United States, and these competitions consist of three judged phases, design, performance, and business. Because of this, to perform well, team members are expected to have not only high-performance racing vehicles, but also excellent project management, teamwork, and business skills. Stay tuned on this episode as we continue to feature Formula SAE teams, and on this episode, we hear from three members of USC Racing. We get into the time management aspect of FSAE life, and we also start to discover how they as leaders manage their peers. So stay tuned. Before we get into today's episode, one quick announcement. I've been talking to more and more college students, whether it started with FSAE at San Diego State University to USC Racing, to college students who are involved at Northwood University's Automotive Management and Marketing Department. One of the common traits of these students that I'm beginning to discover is the mentality that they have with regards to the immediate future. These students embody a sense of practicality where hopes and wishes aren't really what they're asking for, but they're asking more for wisdom. And that wisdom comes from knowledgeable individuals. That knowledge can be passed on to these students, which allows these students to create their own experiences and allows them to contribute to the future of automotive and mobility. To this end, I am looking to actively organize some form of a mentorship program. It's still in its infancy stages, but certainly I am seeing a demand for it on the mentee and the mentor side. So if you're interested in getting involved as a mentee or a mentor, please visit the contact page of the WiscoWeeklyPod.com website and write in the comments your interest in participating in a mentorship program. Also, have a listen to episode number 117, which will come out later this week and it features Georgia Favaretto Elig, and we talk more about a mentorship program and how it's beneficial to both the mentor and the mentee, and also how it should work. Again, that's episode 117, and it will be coming out later this week. Now, let's get into the show. You are now tuned in to... The Whisker Weekly Experience. Mabuhay, bienvenidos, vitete, willkommen, and welcome to Whisker Weekly. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to this episode. You are tuned in to Whisker Weekly, the podcast that explores the new business models for the mobility of people and goods. We are continuing on our series of Formula SAE and highlighting different college organizations on the show. 
Oh, let's not forget, Wisco Weekly is proudly supported by our media partners, CoMotion Miami and Automotive Mastermind. Thank you all for your support of Wisco Weekly. I'm recording live at USC at the Marshall School of Business, and I want to welcome three guests to the show who are all automotive engineers. So men, women, and children, please welcome to the show Maximilian Bui, Eric Hovazian, Hovanazian, sorry, Eric Hovanazian, and Vihan Krishnan. There you go. Two, two three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah my yeah, it was close enough. Yeah, yeah you know, that's my, uh, barely passing. Sixty-six <laughs> percent. I'll, I'll, I'll take those odds. You know. So, well, gentlemen, thank you for being on the show. I, I appreciate it. I look forward to hearing more about all the great things that you guys are doing here at FSAE. You know, I think one of the things actually I want to get into with 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 you three. And please, uh, you can either hold. Actually, I prefer you not to hold back. And if anything, I will maybe hear in your voice if you are holding back. <laughs> I, as I'm understanding the culture of FSAEA at different college campuses, it seems to be the case that you are a full-time student and you have the demands of being a full-time student and attending class and homework and study groups and all these things about being a student. But then that gets compounded when all of a sudden you take on the roles and the duties of being an FSAE member. So that, you know, that presents itself as another full-time job, if you will. So you have two full-time jobs that you're balancing in college. I think one of the things I'm most interested about is how then do you balance some of the more personal things going on in your life? For instance, relationships. I mean, let me, let me first ask the question directly. Vihan, we'll start with you. Do you have a relationship with someone? Not currently, no. No. Eric, how about you? Nope, I do not. No, you do not. Max, how about you? Strong no. Oh, strong no. That's right. <laughs> well, so tell me about this. How does, how does FSAE members and full-time college students, how do you guys balance out the ability to also have some personal intimate types of relationships who wants to start who wants to take that on i can go first okay eric go for it um so i mean some people have asked me in the past if i have a girlfriend i say no and they say well why not and my response always is well she either has to be in almost all my classes or she has to be on the fsa team or she has to be one of the most boring girls on the planet <laughs> the boring girls. yeah because um I well, can, yeah i could see how you charm them <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because i mean I did have a girlfriend my first year in college and I wasn't super involved on the team and we would spend most of our weekends together. But once you join the team, you're going testing on the track, you're planning out the next week, whether it's homework or for the team. And it's just a really big commitment overall. And you don't really have a lot of time to give to one person unless you kind of want to lose your friends. And I would go crazy if I did that. But um, it's kind of a choice. I, I still can go out with friends. I can still, I still have a bunch of people I hang out with and you know, um, have fun with, but a relationship would be just a lot. I can definitely attest to that. So I uh, had a relationship my sophomore year. Um, I had just signed on to being a semi-lead in our lower level management. So I was okay. a test day lead. So it wasn't I'm sorry, real quick, Max. Yes. So what year are you now? I'm a senior. You're a senior. So graduating and May. Eric is a senior. A senior too, and yeah. Vihan is, is a sophomore. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Max, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So I started dating a girl when I was a sophomore and I just signed on as a, the test day lead, which is like in our lower level management. So it's not the most responsibility and we don't consider it as like a full lead here. 
Um, but honestly, it was it was really hard to do time management and prioritization because basically every moment I was away from the team, since I really love this and I really love what FSA is and I love our club and organization, I always felt like um, I was I was I really always felt guilty that I was taking time away and not like fulfilling my duties to the best that I could. I always mm-hmm. met them, of course, but. I always felt like I could do better or like put more effort in. Uh-huh. Um, but then when I went back into our shop and I was working with a team and whatnot, then I felt like I was guilty because I was neglecting this person that I was uh, committed to. Huh. Um, and then that basically didn't last too long because I ultimately decided this is what is important to me. And I wanted to dedicate my all to this team while I'm in college because this is like a one in a lifetime opportunity. Um, and I didn't want, and I wanted to just put like my best effort into it because I've talked to so many people in the motorsports world and even just like colleagues and friends. And they all wish they had FSA in college. They all wish they did it. And since I love motorsports and everything, um, I definitely want to make sure when I leave USC that I put all my all into this club and I leave with no regrets. What, what makes this such a once in a lifetime opportunity? What, what makes FSAE such a once in a lifetime opportunity? Well, I think one practically, like you're basically building and, race, building and racing a race car for free. Um, mm. I mean, obviously we put our own investment into it and all this time, but it's, more or less free. Like when you build your own car, you have to spend thousands of dollars on parts. You got to buy the car. If you make any damages or crash it, I mean, that's a pretty pretty big bill. Yeah. Um, but all of this, we all fund the money from ourselves, from our sponsors, um, with the school. And so it's like, I'm not going to get this chance to like get so many different learning experiences and opportunities and meet so many like cool people after this. It's going to be like really hard. Well, Vihan, you're the youngest member, at least in this room here amongst your peers. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you think about relationships in the context of being a full-time student and being a full-time FSAE member. Well, straight off the bat, I think I'm going to disagree slightly with my colleagues over here. I think that um, one of the one of the key key aspects of uh, FSAE is that it really gives you an idea of what project management is going to be like once you leave. Uh, college once you get into industry. And so one thing that I feel like um, students are, you know, generally across the board kind of bad at is work-life balance, because when you're in college, your work is your life. Uh, And especially when you're in a project like FSAE, where it's very much driven by your own passion, it's very hard to, at least I found, pull yourself away from it for extended periods of time. Um, And I think that's a key learning point that I'm starting to uh, realize now, looking at at my colleagues like Max and, and Eric, and is this, is this your first year with FSAE or this your is, second? This is my second okay. uh, my second year. I joined in my freshman year, mm-hmm. and currently, uh, as with Eric, um, I'm a, a sub team lead. So the the commitment, the hourly commitment to this to this team has definitely increased from the from the first year. But I do agree that it's very hard. An engineering degree by itself is pretty pretty tough, and with that. Um, sort of a second job, as uh, as you rightly described it, is is pretty tough. So, what, 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 what do you think would make it more possible, even plausible? And let's remove the the part of the equation that says that. Well, you know, as a guy, in order for you to want to date, you have to embody certain characteristics yourself or do certain things yourself. Mm-hmm. What could enhance the opportunities for you to actually date, trying to balance out being a full time student and an FSAE member? There are there are a couple things. Uh, f- firstly, I think organization on you know a personal level is is huge. If you're able to sort of segment your tasks, your 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 work, um, FSAE into hourly chunks every mm-hmm. day, that definitely helps. But being college students, um, 
you know, in a in a college environment, things can change very fast, uh, especially in FSA. You're sort of um, in crunch times. You're it's like you're you're al- almost always putting out fires. Organization always helps, but um, I think another thing that at least at USC, I feel we have the privilege. The privilege is sort of I think this year a fifty fifty uh, gender parity um, mm. at the USC Viterbi School of Engineering. Um, I think that definitely helps compared to other schools where you know in engineering schools it's very hard to come by people of the other opposite gender you know what but, your you know what your pickup line is right hey lovely lady i've organized my schedule so that i can fix you no so i i don't want to paint like a picture like that it's impossible it's definitely just comes down to priority yeah. um, we've had many people in the past um and currently with like long-term like committed relationships and, and whatnot it just comes down to what do you want like i've definitely had the opportunity to in the past i just chose not to because i have other things that I prioritize in life right now. Well, okay, so let's let's further this conversation. If if we start looking at then the you know the the core of what FS, FSAE is about here at USC, undoubtedly you guys get to ride the name and the reputation of USC, which makes you guys very viable candidates uh, to be employees for the future. Max, you had some thoughts on this in terms of what FSAE does. And perhaps the, I will say, disconnect in the market, but maybe you can elaborate on that, please. Uh, sure. So I think the basis of FSC, or at least the premise, was it's like an engineering exercise. It's a challenge where engineers are tasked with a problem, and then we just try to solve it, and we're trying to design and learn and just gather as much experience as we can before we actually enter the industry. It just happens to be around automotive and motorsports. I think that's just a good thing because... A lot of college students are interested in that, and so it's something that they want to get involved in, and then they hone their skills before they get into industry. However, it's kind of evolved into its own like microcosm of like its own little motorsport. There's like little forums online and on Reddit and everything, and it's its own little culture, and you can talk to people across the world and kind of have like a very similar experience. Um, and I think at least like our team too has struggled with balancing how much of it is an engineering exercise and how much of it is a motorsport. I, I think it, it gives um, students the opportunity to take different angles or approaches to it. So as Max said, you can either you can probably do both, but you can you can look at it from a purely motorsport perspective, treat it as like a race, uh, a yearly race, or you can treat it as an engineering exercise, as he said. And uh, you can pick up a lot of different skills that you can apply in various industries. So in in SoCal. It's very much aerospace and defense based, and a lot of our team alumni end up working at aerospace and defense companies. And a lot of it is skills that they picked up on the team. Um, for example, you know, you can pick up aerodynamics, you can pick up composites, uh, composite structures, electronics. So it's really sort of what you what you make of it. There can be a di- bit of a disconnect, though, as um, you, you know, being in SoCal, there is a lot of aerospace and defense. There's not much motorsport. Um, what would you say the majority of the makeup is with the team? So there's 50 members right now. Would you say that's more than half do want to go into motorsports or automotive engineering? Well, so on my sub team, for example, I'm, I'm the leader of the powertrain sub team. It's pretty common for people to want to join just for the motorsports aspect of it. A lot of people, um, I'll, I'll give them a design task, but they really just want to work on the car. That's kind of why they joined, first of all. But um. I'm sure that, that that's like another problem in in and of itself then too. It's not really a problem. It's just that um, 
those that are more focused on the engineering can focus on that. And then those that are more invested in the car itself, they're also super willing to come at off hours. They they really want to work on the car. They want to contribute. They want to learn about the car itself too. And a lot of times they have great input on the car and um, great suggestions because, you know, since they love it, they research stuff for fun on their own time. So they bring in new um, they bring in new things that maybe the engineers haven't really heard of before, new ideas. And um, it's a great balance. Historically, our team, at least my sub team, has been more of the car guys that they're just more interested in building the car. But um, we've been really trying to focus on making this an engineering task because that's what the competition wants. And also, uh, it's just a great exercise overall, as Max was saying, to learn about um, designing, manufacturing, and then on top of that, working as a team. How are you handling, I mean, certainly, I'm, you know, roughly, I don't know how old you are specifically, but I'm about, I would say, 20 years your senior. And it's taken some trial and error to be able to work with team members, especially when it gets heated. And not only is there arguments, but of course, those arguments tend to lead to not talking to one another and then hence not doing the work. And then all of a sudden, you are all on a team and you lose one or two days, perhaps even a week or whatever the case, of, of not doing the work because of turmoil. But I've also been through this. I've learned it. I've, I've read some books. Like I've, I've, I've learned the stuff. I've learned how to manage it. How are you coping with disagreement on a team? Um, well, for me personally, it's just uh, it's just that I have a lot of respect for everyone on this team. As you said, uh, everyone's working really hard. They're working two full-time jobs. Uh, it's just, for me, I just have a lot of respect for these guys that are really dedicating their lives to the team. And no matter what, whether we disagree or whether I think someone isn't really pulling their load, I just think that respect and admiration for everyone really takes over and Maybe we'll get in a quick argument, but I'll, I'll be over it within a few minutes. Um, and Oh, so it's really you at the end of the day. <laughs> well, that, that's just my personal uh, input on this. Uh, I'm sure I'm not, I'm sure not everyone's like me, but um, yeah, any, any, I mean, everyone has small arguments on the team and for me, they just disappear because at the end of the day, we're all students, we're all learning. Uh, we all care for each other. Almost all of us are close friends outside of the team and yeah, we just... We just all share the same Well, so, so you guys are two subsystem leads. Yes. And Max, you're the project I'm the project leader. manager and like technical director. And technical director. Would that be kind of the same as like a chief engineer? Yeah. Okay. So in, in any organization or team, there's always a hierarchy, right? There's always a hierarchy of decisions. So Eric, to your point, when conflict does arise, what is the hierarchy of saying, well, guys, I'm the team lead. This is my design. You have to kind of do what I say versus defaulting to saying, hey, maybe your idea is better than mine. If I can speak to that a bit. Um, I think that's it's, it's a mix of both of those approaches. Um, as sub-team lead, you have the responsibility of sort of the last call on your, you know, on your project. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're the most valuable resource on the team are people. And if anyone has sort of, if, if anyone's disagreeing with you, you um, you either change their perspective or you learn from them. And uh, you come to a decision based on then your engineering principles. So uh, this is another thing that sort of I've learned over the past year. And I think Max has done a good job of this, which is sometimes Max and I will have disagreements, 
in the past I used to not handle them very well and you know get emotional but I think over this past year of of being a sub team lead it sort of imparted the 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 principle of trying to look at things as objectively as possible obviously your emotions are going to you know take over sometimes but you have to look at things um as an engineer you have to you have an obligation to look at things objectively discuss your different viewpoints um and always it comes back to using numbers and hard facts and seeing you know if both of you can't come to an agreement you have to come to some sort of some sort of compromise um and when it comes to the the hierarchy and Max can probably talk about this um but at the end of the day everyone does have respect for for team leads and team leads definitely have respect for the chief engineer and project manager i think it should be noted really quick so i used to be the composites lead last year and vihan was in his first year one of my sub team members um and then this year he took over the reins when i stepped up to his project manager yeah. um so we've had like a long relationship in terms of like hierarchy and i'll say discussion of ideas <laughs> um And yeah, it's sometimes you do have to like step in and put your foot down as a lead because you're ultimately the one that's uh responsible for that part or that project. But I think going back to like the topics we said before, it's it's all like about a learning experience. So we're learning how to balance all of these issues, how to work on a team, how to, you know, delegate different tasks and work together even though we're all friends. So we're working with this and it's kind of like a I like to view it as like a professional business, but we also have like a personal relationship outside. Um you also like learning how to like we were talking earlier like manage your interpersonal relationships with either significant other or your friends. Tell me about this. In your leadership roles there's you know you can do the top down type of leadership where it's you as the leader of your team say guys this is what we're building. Here are my facts. Let's discuss it and then let's decide on what to do, right? So that's kind of one form top-down leadership, right? There's also the other way where there are some leaders who say, "Okay, guys, we're all in a room. Let's throw your best ideas against the wall. Let's hit the hard facts, let's discuss it and then we'll solidify what the objective is of of our team." I imagine everyone's style is different here. Can you guys maybe talk about how those types of structures play into your guys's organization and like, you know, is do you find that one is better than the other? Um for me personally, I my my style is generally pretty free except for a few certain things where I have to be very firm about like um, what? So I think my three main goals as a project manager is to make sure the all the projects are cohesive and lead to our team goals that we've all decided together and that we meet all of our timelines. So like for example in the summer um I'm pr- I was pretty lenient I would say in terms of what projects people wanted to take on because I want to make sure it's a club that people are learning from and they have some personal investment or something that they want to get from it. But I know like some teams the project manager will dictate exactly what projects everyone um can or has to has to develop. But I just I for me personally I said I did not care what projects you did as long as they met our team goals and they fit this timeline and they all work together and then we would figure out the rest from there. But I didn't really feel like I wanted to put any restrictions on what someone did. Like I didn't tell Vihan he had to focus on a certain type of composite development or a certain type of um research because I want it to be an experience that he wants to do and something that he personally benefits from. But there are certain restrictions where it's like you can only spend like this much money because obviously that's what we're limited to or I need you to meet this deadline or also have these responsibilities because these are also crucial to the functioning of the team. I mean, you guys quote unquote work for Max, right? Yeah. Since he is the project manager. I mean, look, uh let's have an open 
discussion here with honesty. I'm sure he wouldn't care. What do you think about his leadership style since you two are both subsystems leads? Well, so I think Max has done a great job at pushing us to really be the best that we can be on this team. Um, he's really, really organized, first of all. So anything that we're behind on, he really like, he knows what's going on. He really gets on our case quickly and it really helps push us um, just, like just to meet our timeline, meet our schedule. Because we've been pretty notorious for missing deadlines in past years. Even this year, we've missed some small ones. But um, every year, we never have the car ready when we want it to be, which is always detrimental because you need to have your car done early so that you can go testing for a long time. What do you mean you never have your car ready? I, I, I feel like... So compared to our timeline of when we want our car to be done, I think we're almost always like over like 125%. Um, yeah. Okay. So deadline. for example, if the deadline is to have the car done April 30th, the car is done mid June May or oh. June 1st or oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I wish. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, that's something that we all agreed as leads is crucial um testing time because we haven't been doing this for years. We don't have that much experience. There's always things that go wrong. We need to test out everything. We need to iron out all the problems that uh, our designs have and we need time for that. So um we don't want to go to competition with a car that we're not sure whether or not it's going to finish endurance, which is the most valuable portion of the competition. And and so, Max, you've been involved with F- FSE for four years? Yes, I joined the very first day that I was a freshman here. That you were a freshman here. <laughs> yes. And how long has FSE been around at USC here? This will be our 10th year. 10th year, okay. So throughout your years being involved, you've kind of discovered that one of the critical issues that you guys face as an organization is that timeline of, of getting the car essentially ready to go as best as possible to compete in all the categories of the competition. And in previous years that you've been involved, those have been missed and it's been detrimental to the team, which I then I imagine it's like, what the hell are you guys doing in the first place? And you guys are doing all this work to then all of a sudden not really compete in the full you know, list of, yeah. of, of elements. It's, of what I like to call, it's what I like to call glass cannon engineering. So it, when it works, it's amazing and we have a lot of potential, but most of the time it doesn't work and it's unreliable. Um, and then that could be detrimental to morale, that could be detrimental to our just our reputation and getting sponsors. Um, and it's also kind of like discouraging because you're like, I spent so much time, like so much sacrifice trying to get this car to work and trying to make the best car that I can. But yeah, I think what I've determined is like the timeline is super crucial because at least in FSAE, um, this kind of goes back into the argument of like motorsport versus engineering exercise that I don't want, don't want to get into. But the earlier you have your car done, the more you can test it and the more you can iron out all your kinks. And then you have a better shot at doing well in the competition because you're very familiar with your car. Um, hopefully if anything breaks or any other problems arise, you've already, you've had time to fix it. And then also very importantly, your drivers have had seat time in the car and they're comfortable and they can drive it at its limits. Is the car that you guys have for this year, is it an entirely new design or is this just a redesign from last year or two years ago? You know, kind of, kind of like, kind of like the, the real world in the automotive space where they don't have a new design every year. They wait six years, four years, whatever the case. No, so this is our very first ever redesign. So we've been on the same platform for uh, the first nine years. And then this year we decided to almost throw everything under the rug and we started fresh, got a clean slate and we have like a completely new package. And so that's also why- It's added more pressure. Exactly. Mm. Um, Because we, it's so much more unknown. Um, We have no idea what could go wrong or what might go right magically. Um, and so we really need to make sure like everything gets done so we have ample time to test everything out and like discover exactly what we've made. 
you could design the best car you you can think of on paper, but until you actually drive it and push it to its limits and and strain every single component, you don't know how good it is. Mm-hmm. I can't help but think about then if this is the first time in nine years that you guys are redesigning the vehicle. Why is it then if previous iterations were just improvements? How did you guys miss deadlines? Like, I don't know if that points a finger too much at you guys, but <laughs> that's the $1 million question, honestly. I think I think that's something that um, sort of Max identified and pointed out to the leads as soon as this this year's cycle started. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it, it, it was the exact, just to clarify, I wouldn't say that it was the exact same platform for the past nine years, but certainly, yeah. but, but different leads coming in, different members, they would change things here and there, but um, they'd leave a wake behind them, for example, sort of subsystem in the car that wasn't really documented. Mm. A new lead would come in and had no idea how to operate. So the full potential of that initial idea couldn't be fully realized. So that's another thing that Max has sort of implemented, you know, proper documentation so that there's longevity in terms of the projects and how long they last. Not to- Do you guys apply, um, you know, the agile methodologies or scrum technologies in your project work, project engineering work? Could you clarify that or elaborate on that? Scrum is an agile process framework for managing complex knowledge work with an initial emphasis on software development. Although it has been used in other fields, it is slowly starting to be explored for other complex work. Let's say I'm the chief engineer at this point, right? And like we're going to build a race car. Well, it's like, okay, <clears throat> here are all here's the 20 things that need to get done. What's the best one that you can get done in the fastest fastest amount of time? Take that, work on it, and then you start to pick up all these stories. So that's kind of a a manner in which to organize in order to deploy a product as quickly as possible. Um, we kind of do that on a subsystem level. So you identify yeah, like right. within like the aerodynamics department, like what do you think are your most influential factors that you can improve to get the best results? As a team, it's it's more or less like that too. Half of it, um, but it doesn't sound like it's 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 officially organized in that type of manner either. No, we try to fit a balance of what do pe- what are projects people are interested in, and then what is going to give the car the best value. Yep. Um, yep. Just because you have to also make sure people are interested, because I can name like ten things on the car, but that I want to assign as a project, but I might not. I only have maybe five that people are interested in. Maybe let's let's graduate this conversation. In preparation for this competition, then, with this redesign of the car that you have, I believe the three categories by which you guys will be judged on is what design, performance, and business, the business case. Are sure. those, is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Of those three categories, where do you feel your car will be the strongest? It almost sounds like, Eric, what you had mentioned that, you know, the performance and the endurance is, is the very key category. But the way you guys see your car being built out now of those three, which one would you say that you guys are either emphasizing or that right now the you know the car's really being um, built to perform in? Well, for our team, it's always been an emphasis on the design. So we're doing all of our changes because we believe like these are design changes that were necessary to make a big step in our improvement. Um, but I also want to give the credit to our business team. They actually had the record best or team personal best placing last year, finishing sixth in the business case. So I actually think like we're pretty strong on all fronts, but it's just executing. And like going back to your original question, just having been on this team for now like three and a half to four years, it's always just been timeline. We always have a strong car. It's just if you don't finish it in time, it just ends up being very weak because you're not familiar with it and you're not able to get the most out of it. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's where a bit of the motorsport engineering aspect comes in because 
if you ask any motorsport or automotive engineer, testing is a huge, huge, huge factor. You can spend a lot of time designing, as Max uh, touched upon earlier. Um, but the real meat of it, the real sort of last ten percent, where you sort of win competitions and place really well, um, is 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 in testing and tuning your car. So right now, I think it, it's sort of the nearing nearing the end of our our previous year's car, uh, SER nineteen. We're sort of realizing the full potential of the car. We had a lot of um, issues that we didn't get to test before competition. But um, I think now we're, we're sort of, as a team, we're realizing that testing is a huge, huge aspect that we need to focus on. You said SC19, is that the- oh, So we, we name our cars SCR for SC Racing and then followed by the year that it's competing in. So yeah. our new car is SCR20. Well, is to that end, and maybe even bringing it back to the very first question that I asked with regards to relationships, maybe the answer is that, because I, I thought I saw on your guys' website too that most of your cars are actually named after girls. Or yeah, they, we, they we have, on... this this tradition started way back. I mm-hmm. I was grandfathered into the tradition, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. So all of our uh, cars are named after females, and the ending syllable is e. So it went mm. Ashley, Danny, Danny, Julie. And then now it'll be something else. And you can look back at our history. Okay, so you still are going to give it a yes, and that's a, a female name. That's a team vote. Yeah, that's a team vote. Yeah. Is there any way, like you know, this is kind of like asking a friend, "What's the name of your child?" You know, and sometimes people don't want to disclose the name until the baby's <laughs> born. Are you, are you guys willing to share yet? Uh, or we normally don't even decide or like put in names until probably a couple of months from now. Can uh, is, I? I have a personal one that I like to. So the building that we build our car in is called uh, RRB, or that's the abbreviation. RRB, okay. Um, and obviously our school colors are cardinal and gold. So I always wanted the car to be named Ruby because I think that's very fitting. Ruby? And last Eric, year, what about you? Well, so last year we had the whole USC scandal, um, the admission scandal. Wait, wait, which, which one is this one? Well, okay. so, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah, we had the whole admission scandal, and I thought it'd be great if we, if we named our car Lori. Lori. After. <laughs> After our, our great Lori Laughlin, but <laughs> unfortunately that wasn't that wasn't voted on. So, and I think this year is too late for that. So it'll be something else. Okay. Two years ago, we voted to name it Tanky because uh, we were building our car out of a shipping container due to <laughs> circumstances. Uh, so we, we voted to name it Tanky, but no one was happy with that name. So we overruled it and we named it Danny after Daniel Ricardo. Yeah. That fun driver. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's cool. Did you ever you should you should you should have gotten in touch with uh, Ricardo and sent him some tweets and showed him that picture and have him yeah share I hope it. he would come and sign our car I know he trains out in L A does he really season. yeah oh, like Malibu and Daniel Hollywood Ricardo Hills. if you're listening uh, get in touch with Max at FSA I'm right here <laughs> <laughs> one of our team members shook your hand at the the F1 Hollywood event so <laughs> let's discuss your membership from a consultative position because I feel like this is a challenge that every FSAE organization faces. Okay. So I, I, I'm in this with you guys to maybe talk and shed some light if it will help you guys too. You guys mentioned that there are 50 members as a part of FSAE, roughly a part of uh, USC Racing. And I'm certain, like most other types of organizations, all 50 do not have the same skin in the game. You probably have of the 50, what, maybe 15 people that really take on the core of responsibilities that do the work. I think the issue that you guys will always face and that, you know, certainly in the corporate environment, they do a much better job of this, but that is engaging 
more members, making those incremental steps so that you don't have 15 this year. This year you have 20, and then the following year you have 30. And then by the time at some point you actually do have closer to 100% buy-in from all your members. Tell, tell me about, it. first off, am I right in depicting that picture? And then tell me then, how do you guys think about trying to engage more of your members to become more active participants? Yeah, well, you're 100% correct. I mean, that was spot on. We generally, we have around 50 members, but I think our core group consists of around 25 to 30. Um, but it all just comes down to, again, prioritization and what do you want out of the team? So for me, this has been like my defining college experience because I love it so much and I've spent so much time into it. But then you also have people who only want to spend like five hours a week on it. But I think that's okay as long as they're upfront about it. They're, that's the commitment they're willing to give. And so you can properly Are they upfront about it? Or do you have, or, you know... I think that's definitely... And look, it's challenge. not a bad thing if no, they're no, not no. upfront. But yeah. certainly, you know, you as, as the team leader uh, need to be cognizant of this so as to then properly manage how the year plays out. Exactly. This, that's true for general members all the way up to our leads and myself. So if you know how much you're willing to dedicate into it, I can properly plan out this project so that it meets all of the commitment that we all are willing to give. Um, we can't expect 100 hours a week from everyone. Um, but if everyone tells me they're willing to commit 10 to 15 hours a week, then we can know exactly what we can do and what, what do, capabilities do we have. I think in years past, we had a problem with recruiting members and keeping them on the team. I think one of the challenges uh, of being a lead is the, the managing aspect. And this goes all the way back to our original topic of just learn, as a learning experience. You're also you're one designing a, a complete system for a car, but you're also managing your own group of like 10 to 15 engineers at times. One of the issues you have is, should I assign this project or delegate this to, let's say, a freshman who, even if they're super interested, they might have no knowledge of this software that I'm using or any topic that I'm teaching about, such as like suspension design or vehicle dynamics. So is it faster for me to do it myself? The answer is almost always yes. Or do I spend right. the investment and teach this person and maybe in two, three years, they'll be able to do it themselves. And I think because in the years past, it was kind of like a negative feedback cycle, you might give uh, a project to someone and they don't do it. So then the next time around, you're more willing to keep it on for yourself because you don't want to risk that. And it's just a better net decision for you to do it yourself. And then that breeds less interest from everyone else because they're not getting interesting projects or they're not happy with their work. Um, or they might just not do it anyway. And it kind of, it's hard to break that cycle. Right. But I think we did a really good job in the last one to two years of really onboarding and getting interest from a lot more people because our, our team was only around like 30 to 40 students two years ago with a core group of like under 20 to 25 mm -hmm. students. But now we've gone a lot bigger. The commitment from the core group is just as high. There's a bigger student base uh, in the general body that there's a bigger student base that will spend, let's say, around like the 10 hour per week mark or the five hour per week mark, but they're more consistent rather than they show up uh, first week of school because they see a race car and they're super excited. And then once the first round of midterm sits, then they're all, uh, their priorities change. Is, is that something you accounted for then in terms of your the growth of this past year? I mean, did you kind of go into the year and think that, listen, guys, we were we're 30 members in 2018, 2019 school year, and we want to. We need to grow it to 50. Let's just say that was your goal. And you're like, look, the biggest growth we're going to have is not from the 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 person, the the member who's going to want to do 20, 25 hours, who will sleep here if we need him to or if we need her to, but 
our biggest growth is going to come from the the person that can give us five to 10 hours. So let's recruit based on that. Yeah. One of my goals last year was to really expand this team um, because we'll go around campus and a lot of people actually haven't heard of us, but they're super interested. Or we'll get a lot of comments of people in their senior year saying, this is really cool. And I would have done this had I found out about mm, this my mm-hmm. freshman or sophomore year. And so we revamped our entire business team and also asked for more responsibilities from our engineering leads to have a higher emphasis on spreading the word and increasing our memberships and doing certain tasks such as team bonding exercises or outings or just kind of creating like your own little family in your in your sub team to to keep and retain and involve more members. Mm-hmm. The only hard part is we don't know, since we start our project in the summer, we actually don't know how many freshmen or how many new students we'll have. And so it's kind of hard to plan out how intensive and how how much bandwidth do you have come the school year. But then I think this year, once the school year hit and we realized we did have a lot of members and they were sticking around, we were able to keep a lot of the projects that we were attempting because we had that that substance in our in our general body. Have you guys, like this would even apply to you guys as subsystems lead because again, you guys are managing a team. Have you guys thought about being able to identify personalities? I, I, I'm certain nobody takes a personality test before they get in, but honestly, <laughs> I would actually recommend it to you guys. If you, by taking a personality test, you can then kind of gauge the type of person and their 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 strengths, their weaknesses, and probably even more so what you can ask of them. So for instance, like, one of the personality, and there's so many of them, right? But one of the personality tests that I took a while back that has helped me tremendously in, in understanding people, this personality test essentially told me how people make decisions. So for instance, I'm going to say Vihan, again, this is just based on our conversation mm-hmm. here, right? It seems to me like you are a person who will, and actually, Max, I want you to verify this if I'm correct. It seems like you would be a person that always asks a question of how or why. Oh, yes. Vihan, Vihan loves that. I love it. Um, when I was a composite, he would always question everything that I did just to either understand it or just to challenge me. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So obviously, I, my, my skills are on point still. So having said that, though, what that tells me then, if I'm managing Vihan, is that, look, if I'm going to bring anything to Vihan and have him make a decision, I'm going to always have to ask the question to him, or I'm going to have to answer the question of how or why. Vihan, I'm sorry, you were doing composites? Yes. yes. Vihan, we're, we're not going to use, I don't know, are you guys using carbon fiber? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're not using carbon fiber. We're using aluminum. And how this will work, Vihan, is I, I'm not the engineer, so I, I, I can't tell you all these things, right? And Vihan, let me tell you why that's important, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, he'll be, he'll be butterfingers in your hands, Max, after you tell him. You'll be like, yeah, I'll do that, Max. I'll do that for you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, if, if someone comes to me and, and gives me reason as to why, say, a project is worth my time or not worth my time, I'll totally accept it. Mm-hmm. And that also comes back to, you know, the idea of, of collaborating and coming to compromises. Um, because at the end of the day, being an engineering um, uh, project, you really have to constantly question how, why, uh, first of all, what, why, and how. Um, it always, I feel it always comes back to those questions. And then sort of from there, you build on, um, uh, you know, the various sort of yeah. details of the project. But um 
Yeah, well, yeah, I could definitely I, name one example last year where it was my project and I was the lead and Vihan was like definitely by far my most contributing and dedicated member. And so obviously I really trusted him with some work and towards the end I had to take on some extra responsibilities. So I kind of gave him some autonomy and knowing that he was going to take over for this year, I kind of let him transition into the lead and slowly pick some roles up. Uh, but I do remember one time where he was really adamant about one of the decisions or doing it a certain way and ultimately the decision or the responsibility came down to me and so I had to really I had to tell him no um, and he was really like questioning why and and wanted to understand my decision and even though he didn't um, agree I think he understood and I think that's just the most important part and for Eric I would say that I don't actually have an entirely good read on you just yet okay. is is he is is, is Eric a, a sociable person Oh yeah, I think he is, but he's he's very much kind of like sullen air, and I think you said you're a little bit under the weather, so maybe I'll, I'll attribute it to that. Yeah, but you bit. are you are a gregarious person. You're an extrovert. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I, so. I sent a I, I I sensed a little bit of it, but again, I wasn't sure. So I think for someone like you, then the way that you would make decisions is you would want the question, or you would ask the question of who. I would I would say well. I first I'd like discover I'd, I'd do my own research and then I would see if it's something that's feasible for me to do and if not then I wouldn't do it like for example uh, at the beginning of the year a lot of the leads were they're pushing to get a dry sump system for our engine so that we could lower it so we'd have a lower center of gravity overall and um, a lot of people were pushing for it but I did a lot of research on it and it was just something that I could not do and not something I just couldn't guarantee in the amount of time that I had mm. so while I do I definitely do listen to uh, the higher ups people and for example if our advisors our faculty advisors give me advice I definitely take it to heart and listen to it I'd still yeah, definitely right. analyze it myself and which which only to suggest then too that again much like even Vihan where there there are two questions right that you'd want to get answered everybody does have in some in again this particular decision making process everybody does have usually about two questions that they need to answer in order for them to make a decision right. usually they either center around what who how or why so those usually you can you can ask somebody one of or two of those four questions and if you understand their personality correct you essentially can guide them to be at least motivated to make the right decision the reason why i bring all this up is just the fact that it's, it it just be interesting to start to hear that an organization like FSAE with the time that you don't have that in order to maximize that time, that you know, part of that is the management of members. One of the ways that it's definitely done when you start getting into the corporate environment is they do, you know, have you take these personality tests. Sometimes they're even going at, at like as an aptitude test, kind of like the you know, kind of like the SAT, but a different form, almost like the Wonderlick for for like football. I really want our team to adopt a an application system. Uh, one, so we can do kind of like the personality tests and kind of help guide people where we think they would be a best fit and obviously kind of learn about them before they even join our club and also weed out who's actually serious and who's actually curious and whatnot. But in the past, we never did because going back to that earlier conversation again, we never had too many members that stuck around. So we were really desperate just to get as much help as we can. So we always left the club as a as an open open team for anyone to join because we were just so hungry and desperate for hands and help. Mm. Um, but I think now we've gone to a point where we can actually utilize and probably uh, do some like people management 
um, to actually see like where does everyone fit best and how do we interact with everyone. Well, so let's let's start to you know rein this in here. Um, what can we expect from USC racing come June? Eric, okay, go ahead. Yeah. So I mean, so first off, I just looking at our design of our car for this year, I definitely have a lot of faith in it. It seems like a great idea. All the small design or major design changes we've made, uh, they're really improvements on the last car. And um, even as, as you said, I, I do like to go talk to other people about designs. And we have one faculty advisor who used to work on sprint cars and indie cars as well. So a lot of times I'll go to him and talk to him and ask for him advice for advice from him. Even from testing last year's car, uh, the reason why we didn't finish endurance is because the seatbelt unhooked from the frame, just something that no one on the team would have ever predicted. Like we were making a bunch of predictions of what could go wrong. We had we probably had 10 ideas each of what could go wrong, but not a single person thought of the seatbelt. Mm. And then we were we were testing. So we didn't finish endurance. Beginning of this year, we were still testing the car. And then so many random things were just just happening on the car that would stop it preventing it from running while we were running it so there were just so many other things that could have caused us to not finish endurance that we didn't account for so that's why for me personally it's hard for me to tell whether this year will do great or this year will be another year we don't finish endurance because part of the excitement and journey right of, yeah <laughs> of, of, the, of all this yeah it's it's definitely a nail biter when they're out there racing for endurance because yeah. there's just so much that can go wrong there's thousands of things yeah vihan how about you what what can we expect from uh usc racing and specifically the composites system well um this year one of uh, my main projects has been changing the structure of our wings the primary sort of composites um composite parts of the car are the wings and the body panels. The wings are obviously pretty more crucial. So um, we, as is sort of a theme of, of this year, our car this year, there are a lot of drastic changes. So on the composites team, we've changed up that wing structure. Hopefully it's gonna be more light. There's uh, a lot of performance gain to be um, achieved. I, I, do have, I do have faith that come June, um, it's not gonna be like, you know, years past where we're just sort of finishing the car. I think that from my time on the team, I, I see USC racing on a positive spiral. We're definitely making a lot of positive changes on the team. Things have been going well. Um, we had a very successful test day day before yesterday. I think that you will, you're going to see a, a, a pretty positive, first of all, um, and optimistic, committed, um, and hopefully successful team come June. Max, you... Sir, yes. lead dog, head cheese. <laughs> what um, can we expect? For me, the biggest changes might actually not be on the surface. My main focus this entire year has been making like long-lasting internal changes to our team because I think that's going to yield the most benefit when it comes to the longevity of this team. So like Vihan touched on earlier, one of my biggest focuses has been with documentation, which is heavily important because you want to ensure future teams of USC Racing have enough doc data and documents and information to go off of. All of our assumptions we made this year, all of our designs, all the mistakes we made this year, they can learn from that and they don't have to start over. Um, something our team doesn't have, even though we've been, this is our 10th year, I only have around one or two years of data. I don't really know what previous teams have done or why they did that because there's no documentation. So yeah, we are a 10th year team, but sometimes it feels like we're only four or five years old because I'm not able to to build off of the knowledge the knowledge base of of ten years, but I think in general in in June I think we'll be ready and we'll have learned a lot. 
one of the biggest things or one of the big things we're emphasizing this year again is testing our car because we know that's going to yield a lot of benefits. We could spend the entire year designing our car in CAD, but until you actually get on track and test it, you're not going to learn a lot. We just spent uh, last Saturday, as we uh, was saying, uh, testing our aero package at Willow Springs. And I think I learned more in that 16 hours that we were testing it than I have in quite some time. Mm. Um, and I think that just highlighted exactly how much you can learn and what I'm looking forward to because we're going to highlight so many different things if we test our car for SCR20. Um, and then when it comes June, we'll be ready. SCR20 slash Ruby. Hopefully. <laughs> Crossing my fingers. Yeah, I look at Vihan's face. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the one time I wish I had absolute uh, determinism. <laughs> yeah, <over. laughs> it's a democracy. Um, it? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, is there anything else? I don't know. I'm 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 excited for this year. Um, I think everyone was super motivated to to change their car, um, even though it's a radical change, and it's quite scary that we might drop a lot in the order because it's completely new. We we're usually expecting around top top ten to top twenty in competition, but we could have a complete failure or something that we just don't expect and drop way down the order. And I don't think that's like a failure. I think as long as you've learned from that and you've gotten something valid from that, then that's okay. And then hopefully. When SCR21 comes around, then they have a lot more to build off of. And that's when you start refining the package. And like you said earlier, you know, it's always nice when this is not really your money. And, you know, with yeah. all the things that you guys are doing, I mean, it's great that you get to do this. And certainly you don't want it to, you know, you don't want all this hard work to just fall by the wayside and not have this thing that you spent an entire year on not perform. But certainly it makes it nicer when you're not having to spend of course, the money on yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah, like my sophomore year, I didn't realize it. I was just assigned a project, but my parts that I made were $10,000. And I've never, I can't even fathom Isn't that, that awesome still. Though? Yeah, but I didn't even know then. That's what's scary. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it is just a, a privilege to be working on a team with with people of such high caliber. And given the opportunity by the school, um, UC Viterbi is a, a huge sponsor of our team, probably I think our biggest, and all our sponsors and stuff. So it's like, it's... Definitely, I'd say a privilege. Cool. We also have to give thanks to Viterbi Admissions as well because they. Who, who is it? Viterbi. Viterbi Admissions. Just, oh, Viterbi yeah, Admissions. Just, oh. just for all the students because <laughs> at least. For at least yeah. Well, not just me. Just in general, um, there's been so much talent that has joined this team over the past few years, and even this year, there's about, I would say, there's about six or seven people that I think could take over my role right now if they wanted to on Powertrain, and a lot of that's just because of admissions selecting like the brightest and most committed individuals and um that's been just helpful for me because things that you know if, if those people were on the team then i would have to take everything myself so it's it's great to be able to spread out all the work that i have to really focus on these people and teach themselves and then eventually have them uh, contribute to the team and do a lot of stuff on their own it's very it's very kind and generous of you there eric so well, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode of Wisco Weekly. Be sure you continue to follow along the show here as we highlight other FSE organizations. And the culmination of all this will come in June, mid-June. I, don't, I forget the dates exactly, but... June 20th. June 20th? Yeah. So June 20th um, in Fontana at what's Auto, Auto Club, Club Speedway. Speedway yeah. At Auto Club Speedway where they do have the competition and there'll be, I don't know, will there be over 100 organization school usually around 80 or 90 yeah okay 80 or 90 school organizations that will be there competing uh to bring their race car and have it judged have it torn apart have it criticized have it applauded 
at the very end, and hopefully USC gets crowned number one. Yeah, it's in Southern California now, and our school is University of Southern California. So oh, I definitely look, feel yeah, the look. pressure of representing this region. Oh, so here, here, here <laughs> comes the USC pride. Oh yeah, this. fight on. <laughs> Listeners, thanks for tuning into Wisco Weekly. As we end every episode, cheers, prost, lchaim, kipis, nastravi, salut, kampai, mabruk, tutsin, gambe, yamas, nastrovie, and vo to the customer experience. Hey, listeners, co-host Kelly Cruz here. Thank you for joining us on another episode. Always very appreciative to have you along for our journey. We're also very appreciative for two of our great partners, Automotive Mastermind and Co-Motion Miami. Just the beginning of a lot of great things that we have coming up for you. If you are enjoying being along with us, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Facebook. Another way you can rate and review is to check out our episode page and follow the link there. Not sure what the top rating is, but if you are having a great time, give us that top rating. If you're not having a great time, then let us know why and how we can improve. So we look forward to uh, continuing to make things even better. We look forward to being with you soon.